Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music. Be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. Merry Boxing Day to one and all. Best part about Boxing Day? It means Christmas is over and we don't have to deal with it anymore. Coming up on this week's show is literally nothing but the first half of this year's Desolation Sounds podcast top 20 albums of the year. Uh, this week we're counting down 20 from 11 and then next week will be 10 to 1 because talking for about two hours will be difficult. And I have to go home for Christmas because it's currently Christmas Eve and I still have to deal with Christmas. Uh, I have For that reason as well, I've purposely foregone looking up news and... Uh, new announcements and that kind of shenanigans because there's a lot to go through. Uh, the only bits of news that I've seen worth mentioning is Five Finger Death Punch drummer. I keep wanting to call him Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Spencer? We'll go with Spencer. Uh, he's announced that he's leaving the band because citing medical issues. I think he's got a bad back. And for, well, well, now former Machine Head drummer Dave McLean has rejoined Sacred Reich. Um, I think that's it. Only two things that stick out of me heed. But I'll pick up on news a bit more frequently in the new year. Before we get on with 20 down to 11, a few shout-outs because A, everyone loves a good shout-out. B, trying to pick 20 albums was very fucking difficult. So, the top-scoring non- Rock, metal, punk, whatever you want to call it, alternative music. The highest seeding album from that world, from not out, outside that world, fuck me. It starts already. Uh, Iridescence by Brockhampton. I listened to, I think it was 1999, Wildfire, Wildlife, Wildlife. And it was a song where when I first heard it, it was really, really good. This is based on the like back of the hype. I listened to the two Kendrick Lamar albums for the first time. Uh, last year so after I like, finished with them listened to the Brockhampton single because I heard a lot of stuff going about them and at the start I really really enjoyed that song as the years gone on I've realised that the song is very okay it does get quite boring when you listen to it over and over again as with most songs but yeah just thought it was a bit a bit meh now and that doesn't help by the fact that Iridescence is fucking phenomenal um, it's, I think this, where did I, what did I find out? I put it at 21, so it's literally just outside, that's how much I enjoyed it. It's got, I feel like there's enough in here to satisfy old and newer hip-hop fans. I'm, I'm not well-versed in hip-hop, I won't lie. But there are songs which are very laid-back and mellow and quite R&B, and there's songs that are a bit more upbeat and poppy, and there are songs that are very much more grime dirty put your grills in your teeth put up hand signs kind of thing i'm so painfully white yeah brockhampton with iridescence uh next completely other side of it i'm gonna call them sludge they don't spell it right but i'm gonna call them sludge s-l-u-g-d-g-e esoteric malacology don't know what that means really really techie death metal band really really good spent a good portion of this year in the top 20 bracket and it is 
again, I've um, go into a bit more detail with my original pog later. I've touched on it in the past. It keeps you hooked and it keeps you interested the entire time. And right now, all I keep I can't get on my head that bass tone in. I think it's. Oh, uh, they've got weird one. I think it's called War Squid. Something like that. Something about squid. Just the bass tone in that way. He like just goes off on it. It's fucking great. Uh, the long shot with Lovers for Losers. Uh, well, in my honest opinion, the best thing Billy Joe Armstrong from the Green has done since 21st Century Breakdown. I really like that album. At me. The Human Project with Claren Call. I kind of helped with this. Very minimally. I recommended them an artist for their album artwork. That's my legacy. Uh, this is really good if you're a big fan of that like, techie punk that's coming through. Uh, like OG Rise Against. This is why I always go to the comparison. Really, really fun album. And now on the track with a new kind of horror. Basically, The Sound of the Apocalypse. It's fucking good. It. So I start with Desideratum. And... Is it new? No, it's not new kind of horror. It's a new one. But start with that, and this Radom is fucking great. It's everything that I've that I ask for extreme metal, like the big, powerful music with like the cases of melody. The whole um, whole of the law carry that on. Just found it, and I think this whole of the law I heard it more in, but the falsetto he brings in. Is fucking creepy. I think uh, New Kind of Heart is a step down from This is Ratum and Hall of Law, but I still think it's a fantastic album either way. Panic at the Disco, Pray for the Wicked. I don't understand how they can do it so well and Fallout Boy can do it so fucking wrong. Like, so very painfully wrong. I hate Fallout Boy. I really enjoy Panic at the Disco. Spanish Love Songs. I talked about it a little bit when I was talking about Basement. Really good, somehow uplifting, somehow incredibly sad emo pop punk album. Very recommended with this new age of pop punk of emo that's going on. And lastly, an album that spent up until I think November in the top twenty bracket. Must be a bit soon. No, a lot of these albums came out. Yeah, so it must have spent it's up until like October, November time in that top twenty talking point. Uh, Shining, the Swedish one, not the Norwegian one, because the Norwegian one made me cry. Swedish Shining with... Oh, it's in Swedish. What's Swedish for him? Tio Vari Utten Flock. I don't know what that means. I just know a little bit of Swedish and how to pronounce things. But very depressive. They, um, if you've never heard them before, it's very hard that you... If you're into the extreme metal world and you haven't heard of these quite unusual but they are depressive black metal they used to be quite raw now they've got very like much more produced sound which is why i really enjoy it in extreme metal the opening song which again is something in swedish which i'll have to quickly look up it is so punk rock uh oh fuck me svart Eld. I oh fuck me, I don't know what that means, but such a big like punk rock main, main riff than that. It's really really great. And there's also two covers. Um, you've got in the cold light of morning, which I can't remember who the original um, singer is, but that's haunting as shit. 
And equally haunting is Crylet Sister, which is a cover of the God, I can't even remember what film it's off. But Crylet Sister is a big one. Mm, no, it's not fair for me. Yeah. Crylet Sister is a big one. It was with the Kate film with Donald Sutherland? We'll go with that. Either way, the two covers, very low end and spooky and very like dark bulk. And then you've got the rest of the album, which is very abrasive, very extreme black metal, but with a really good production value on it. Definitely recommend, etc. There's also a weird piano ballad in there, which is great fun. Cool. On to the main event then. So number 20 is Between the Buried and Me with Automata 1. Automata, Automata, Potato, Potata. It is album number 8 from the US tech metal band. And it is the first of two albums that they released in 2018. And I'll discuss Automata 2 in just a bit. Uh, Trudy Bear and Me have been a little bit everywhere with their discography. They started off as quite a... Oh, well, not quite. A, a very techy death metal, deathcore band. Eventually started bringing in more um, musical traits, which sort of borderline the avant-garde around the time of Colors and The Great Mr. X. They went to almost like a f straightforward prog rock sound for Coma Ecliptic. Uh, Tommy Giles Rogers really cut back the harsh vocals, which predominantly cleans. And then it for the diehards who like that like extremeness to the sound, it was kind of a bit 50-50, but for newer fans having that technicality, that good songwriting that Between the Bear and Me are known for really brought in a new audience. So that leads us to this. And as I said before, my problem with prog, my problem with prog, I might have discussed it before, is prog metal for me is such an intelligent genre. Everyone who is associated, or I feel like everyone associated with that progressive sound now, if it's prog rock or prog metal or like something techy or mathcore or whatever, they have been taught their instrument from grades or like being taught specific scales or what have you. It is a very, very intelligent genre. And I'm thick as shit. For me, this is the reason why like more punk rock things and more aggressive things appealed to me because you were in and out within a few minutes With a lot of prog music you're there for it's an eight minute song and there's like a two minute keyboard solo and there's like a minute long bass bit and you've got to sit there and take it all in and a similar reason why i can't read books anymore. i can't just sit there and do this one thing i've got to if i'm watching a film i need to just be doing something on my phone or if i'm listening to music i need to be playing a game i need that might be a commentary on modern millennials i don't really know nor do i give a shit but that's just like how i take in music and i don't know i, I feel like every single time there's a big prog metal album i keep batting it away batting it away batting it away until i finally cave in but this time with between the bear and me because i had heard so much about them in the past everyone goes nuts for the colors the little bits of coma clip that i listened to i actually quite enjoyed figured to give this a go and I had tried to listen to colors before and admittedly there was a few years ago when I didn't have quite a good a palette for music but 
this is easily a lot more accessible than Colors. Bearing in mind, Colors was a very uber tech death metal band, uh, tech metal album. This still has all those um, progginess to it and all the like extremity to it, but it is much more easier for first time listeners and people uh, just getting into the scene to bear it with me. I'd easily say Tommy Giles has one of the most sought after and underappreciated vocal styles in music. The way he can easily, easily bounce between such a tender, softly spoken voice to a vicious, demonic little scream, to even maniacal, in the song Yellow Eyes, it's, he just uh, chants, not in chants, but just eerie sings back at you, yellow eyes, or um, the t word yellow. And fucking Thingy Martin from Coldplay would shit himself if this was the yellow got presented to him. And uh, Tommy Giles, Tommy, Tommy Giles Rogers, big pardon. He also acts as the keyboardist for this album. I don't know if he's done it before, but for this he is. And he is so intelligent with how to use the keyboard in this album. It's so hard to oversaturate the keyboard sound like put too much synth in so that that masks everything else uh, some people make it too much at the forefront of the sound what have you he knows exactly when to put keyboards in and knows exactly when to draw the keyboard sound back out again in like the c opener condemned to the gap condemned to the gallows absolutely tears and rips through genres left and right there are times when it is very old school death metal and there are times where it borderlines power metal and i do love me some cheapy yes i do love me some cheesy power metal that's what i wanted to say that's what i said i don't know what you're talking about um there's a bit in the uh, i think it is in content to the gallows when i was saying about the like maniacal vocal style it's all like low-end drum, like a vicious Marilyn Manson squall at parts. And it's really quite unnerving if you just listen to that on headphones. Pairing this with Automata 2. Automata 2 is also a very, very good album. And I think as much as I prefer Automata 2 as a whole, between the two albums... Voice of the Trespass on number two is the best song between both of them. But as good as that song is, I feel two is for the long time between the Barry Meach bands because it's a lot more techy, a lot more death metal, a lot more things going on. And one is for people like me, people just listening to Between the Barry and Me properly for the first time. If you are, if you dig Opeth, I always I keep comparing a lot of bands at the moment to Ishan, but Ishan is so vast and explorative. Opeth, Ishan, or if you into like the newer age sort of thing, it might have missed between me between the bear and me like I did, and you know of a band called Distrage or Distrage, Italian uh, tech metal band. Definitely would recommend going onto this. Hugely great, hugely proggy, hugely bleh, fucking great. Between the bear and me, Automata, one. 
Cool, so I'm gonna take a quick sip of tea. Lovely. Okay, on to album number 19 then. Whoa, you still on the fucking paper. Uh, that's not the name of the album. The album is Too Far Gone and it is by Kane Heal. Kane Heal? Kane Hill. Fuck me. Why can I never speak in words? It is a sophomore album from the American new metalcore four piece and it is the follow up to Smile, which you might think is a happy album. It's not. It is. It, it was an explosive debut, lots of new metal worship, lots of corn in there, fucking shit tons of Slipknot in there as well and there's much I don't quite understand this because New Metal is kind of making a well not kind of it is making an absolute return in the past five years or so and it's been fucking great for nostalgia boy like me and they keep trying to distance, distance themselves away from that sound I don't really understand why because everything about this album screams a new age Slipknot to me Elliot Witt, the lead singer, has such a command and such an awareness on his voice to the point where it is it almost eclipses what he did in Smile. It can go from again that like low end almost spoken world Manson esque delivery all the way up to the most extreme parts of Corey Taylor. To the point where how he sings on Singing in the Swamp, it I I made comparisons to Soundgarden when I was listening to it the other day. It's so like the uh, mostly in the chorus, the way it just sort of like builds and builds, and then you've just got this long melodic bit, and he's quite. I can't, don't even know how to describe it. It's just musically, there's a lot going on, but it sounds like just a wall with him just quite a low production voice on the top of it. Very, very good, that song. The song Why acts as a callback to all the industrial moments in Smile. They had a lot more like electro stuff in Smile. It's a bit more cut back in this one to a more organic sound, but Why has like makes up for that. It's a very, very industrially, industrially song. And then you move on to Scumbag, which Lastly, uh, Kane Hill are very new metalcore. Um, obviously, new metal, metalcore. Scumbag is a refined, concentrated bit of metalcore. It's two minutes fast. It's fucking ferocious as shit. And to hear a new metal bass tone, because obviously it's quite like a slappy, bouncy sound to the new metal bass. To hear that on like a hardcore song is really, really interesting and really, really fun. And I feel like Kane Hill as a whole have appeared and come up at the absolute perfect time because they are perfectly aged for people who, like myself, were born into new metal. So you had your Corns, your Limp Biscuits, your Linkin Parks, grew up with Metalcore. And then you've got Kane Hill, which is sort of like the amalgamation of both those things. Um, if you are. If you enjoy King 810, which they have a new album coming out next year, uh, King 810, the latter day Suicide Silence, so I include the self-titled with Eddie Hamida and the last album that they did with Mitch Lucker, 
which was Black Crown, and the one in the middle, I think it's You, you Can't Kill Me? Yeah. The last three Suicide Silence songs, if you like them, I reckon you'll dig this as well. Also, if you really enjoyed Upon, Upon a Burning Body, you'll enjoy Cane Hill. Cool. On to, on to the next. And it is number 18 with The Wonder Years with Sister City. It is album number six in the American pop punk turn emo qui quintet. There's, I actually don't know how many of them. I'm pretty sure there's five of them. I don't know. I've got quite a soft spot for The Wonder Years. Uh, retrospectively, The Greatest Generation, which was released in 2013, is one of my albums of the year for that year. And then you've... I've, Listen to that over and over again, and then I realised that they actually had another album out at the time, the previous year, to when I found them, called No Closer to Heaven. And that is the musical interpretation of Depression. And it's great. Don't listen to them if you're having a bad day. It might tip you over. But otherwise, fucking great. Listen to them. So, with The Greatest Generation, No Closer to Heaven, this is the first album that I've been conscious of, I've been conscious of them releasing, if that makes sense. And... For me, Sister, Ci Sister Cities took a couple of listens because it took me a while to realise that I'm, this is not going to be The Greatest Generation Part 2. It took me a while to get that with No Closer to Heaven. No Closer to Heaven is, to me, a little bit more stripped back and starts to deviate away from the pop-punk sound that Greatest Generation and before. That, like, that's how one of these got their name. No Closer to Heaven was going even more to the emo side. This now, I feel you can't really classify the one years as a pop punk band anymore. They are this new Midwest emo sound that's been cropping up with um, Spanish Love Songs, who I mentioned before, Basement, who I reviewed a few weeks ago. That is that is who they are now, which is fair enough. And it's intelligent because for me, it is the pop punk kids who used to sing about the hometown and never getting the girl and pizza and all the shit. They're the ones that have grown up and they didn't have the industry to coddle them and tell them everything was going to be okay. Fallout boy. These are the kids who, okay, they got the, like, the fan attention, but major labels sort of like, I don't want to say ignore them because I don't know what label they're on, but they didn't, I feel like they didn't get the money pumped into them the same way that bands like Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco did. They just grew up and like, you know what? We'll just put up with it. This album is so dreary and painful as fuck. The song in here, Pyramids of Soul, has got one of my favourite, one of the bleakest lyrics I've heard in a long time. Um, I drew a line in the sand with these goddamn worthless hands. And fucking hell, it just sounds like he's going to cry every time I say that. And it still feels like you're going to cry every time you hear it. The one, the reason why, as much as I do, I love the one the years. The reason why it's a lot further down on the list than not probably even I was expecting is because they really toned down the choruses on here. Whereas, Greatest Generation and even No Close to Heaven, I know I wouldn't say they relied, but they featured such big choruses to really get like a shows that like singing response with the crowd it's the earworm sort of music that gets in your head which is pop, what pop punk is known for there's a lot less of that this time it more feels like at times 
a musical story as opposed to a collection of songs, which, depending on your preference, is a good or bad thing. Um, it's great for if you've got the time to sit there and listen to it, or I know what I said before, I had it on in the background a lot. It's not really kind of album, except on the ones that are very much more like the old ones, where it's got big choruses like Pyramids of Salt and Sister Cities. It's not really one you could just li- like take find like specific songs out of it. It's a song where you press play and you pr- and it, you listen to it all the way to the end. Uh, don't even know I've got it. Like it must get lonely to me. Like so, Dan Campbell, the lead singer, he's got a side project to Aaron West and, Roar- and the Roaring Twenties. Ah, oh, that's difficult for me. To me, It Must Get Lonely sounds more like one of that kind of songs because it is, um, like, it's a lot more upbeat compared to the rest of the album and it's a lot softer on the ears, but then that's just me. It's still a really good good song. The album itself is for the days where everything feels like it's in black and white and you just want to have a cry out the window and it's raining. Sister Cities by The One Years for fans of... Jimmy Eat World, Modern Baseball, and the Gecko Kids. I'm going to drink more tea. And I do apologise for the fucking squeaky ass chair. Maybe Sam will bring me a new one. Cool. Number 17 is The Silence by Feed the Rhino. It is album number 4 from the English post-hardcore group. And it is their first since they reformed. I think it was tail end of last year they said they were reforming. After splitting or going on extended hiatus. And I fucking hate that word. In 2015. I was quite gutted when Feed the Rhino split back then. Because it was around about the time. So Feed the Rhino, I think it was on album three. Which isn't the Red Eye, it is the one after that, I think. It's the Sorrow and Summon, I think? No, Sorrow and Sound. When that album got released, it was around about the time I was properly getting into, like, starting to get into music. So I was reading um, Metal Ham a lot more, I was listening to their podcasts, um, just trying to get music from anywhere and everywhere. And Feed the Rhino were amongst some of the first bands I got, I'd listened to from this at the time, growing underground scenes. So you had bands like Feed the Rhino, The Defiled, Hawkeyes, Max Raptor. And over the years, The Defiled have split up. Hawkeyes are in a weird limbo. Max Raptor admittedly had just come back from having, I think they had a year off just so they could get their personal lives all together, which is fine. And then Feed the Rhino said, yeah, we, we need to sort ourselves out as well. But, you know, it might not be a case where we'll come back. Eventually it did, obviously. And they they either reformed tail end of last year or the very start of this year. And they basically got everything out in one go, which is fine. Uh, the frontman Lee Tobin on this album, he sounds fucking venomous. And he's got his screams sound like it's boiling blood. I don't know if that's terrifying. It certainly sounds terrifying to me. And his... The way his vocals sound 
to me they're quite unique which i feel like in this day and age it's quite hard to get a you're the only one that sounds like this voice because like just because of plethora of bands coming out you get a lot of screams that sound similar a lot of um soft vocalists that sound quite similar it's just the nature of the beast you hear a, you grow up listening to a band that you really like you want to replicate try and replicate that sound lee tobin for me he's got quite an individual voice and as much as he does sound like hell in a hard basket the silence is you can tell with this album they're trying to bring in a bigger audience because whereas before they did have used to have like very fast aggressive snap snappy songs with like the melodic choruses this has now got arena rock sized choruses uh lee tobin is really really amped up the clean vocals he's really like he hasn't really softened out his voice he's just got a better control of it the songs like time wave zero and the fences it's it's really evident there it reminds me of like the before then the peak clean vocal performance i had for lee tobin was in a song called black horse which was on a previous album which is sort of like the equivalent of a ballad for feed the rhino very very good the song out the best comparison i could think of is maybe chino marino that style of for like his cleans are very big and very powerful cleans and um, much like um, chino well much like lee I should say, Chino does sound like fucking anger bleh, words when he does a scream. So, if you want the more traditional, fast, snappy, post-hardcore, more traditional Feed the Rhino songs, look at the songs 68 and All Work and No Play Make Jack Dell Boy, obviously with more shining references. And he does sound fucking. Uh, the joke with like shining and all that, it, he does sound fucking psychotic in that song. Um, all work and no play. Obviously, got my foot now it hurts. And the only other song I can think of is Featherweight, which was released before they had their split in 2015. And it is very. You can kind of tell that was written then. The rest of the songs are written now because it's a lot more. Adhering to the old school sound, whereas this, like I said, is although it, you can tell it's Feed the Rhino, they are trying to bring in the more like outreaching audience. The and yeah, for earworm choruses and a very like every time I die tinged guitar work, like the fast and like the I don't know how to describe it, but like, which is great. I you can hire me for guitar work if you like. That kind of like low rumble and then the higher end like shoot off. There's probably got a better word for that, but uh, thick. A lot of that's in there. And if you are a fan of Funeral for a Friend, post Memory Humanity, so what's that? Um, Welcome Home Armageddon and. Album that had is it paper and verses and one percent the later two ones before they split up. If you're a fan of that, and if you're a fan of Zokes, which is a underground English um 
hardcore fan. If you know Zokes but you don't know Feed the Rhino, I'll be very impressed. Or Glassjaw, which is the big name that I compared him to. If you like any of them, and if you want to support British music, would definitely recommend Feed the Rhino with the silence. And if that cunt could stop beeping us on outside my window, I'd be quite, be quite, be quite happy with that. Be quite happy. I hate Christmas. Everyone wants to be with families and be with friends. Like, hey guys, let's all hang out. I'm like, no, hang out somewhere else, little fucks. Just because of the pub next door. Number sixteen. I almost called it in wave then, but it's very much not in vain. With Currents, album number four from a Norwegian progressive death metal group. More prog, more death, more of both. It is their first album in five years, and it took Matt Heafy of Trivium Fime to... Well, I say tell me about this album. He went on about it on his various social media, because he's featured on the song Soul Adventurer. Now, I really enjoyed... Uh, I was going to call it Silence, Silence of Snow. What's it called again? The latest Trivium album. That's the one I want to call it. I'm going to do a quick Google so I don't look like a massive knob. Sin in the Sentence. I knew it was something to do with S's. I really enjoyed the Sin in the Sentence, even though I can't remember what it's called. And so, and I really enjoy what Matt Heafy's doing with his voice at the moment. He's, I think he's finally got that grasp on cleans and harshes and when to use them, how to use them, so he doesn't fucking blow his throat out. And so with that, I thought I'll give this a good old bash. And to be honest, Soul Adventurer is the song you want if you want to try and get into this album because much like between the bear and me it is hugely progressive it's fucking heavy as shit and it's got one of my favorite things in music it's got a gigantic wall of sound like donald trump give these fellas a call the the soundscapes have gotten choruses on this album is fucking incredible they don't they only really do uh, clean vocals for like the big choruses, which is uh, fine for what I enjoy from this album. The song and it's in sweet Norwegian, so I'm probably gonna fuck this up. En fungangen tid, en fungangen tid. Also called Times of Your Part Two, which is just probably easier to call it that. Uh, the cleans on there and Origins, which is a lot easier to say. Although they are used a lot more in these songs than they are anywhere else, they still make sure this is a death metal album, even with all the progginess in there. It is not them going soft, it's not the Combo Clipic album, it is very much uh, very technical, very proggy death metal. There's always something that doesn't relent. They might have clean vocals, but they've got double kip drums, or they've got like a very fast... Um, I can't remember the proper word, but the tremolo picking, uh, guitar work, it's always, there's something in the background that's still going 19 to the dozen to make everyone aware that, hey, we're very fucking angry. Grr. They fulfill their necro, that's what the C, their necro quota with the last two songs. They, can, they have like a much more black metal sound. And I even think there's an organ on Standing on the Ground of Ma Mammoths, which is fucking metal as shit. It pisses on saxophones left and right. And with the... Combined with like how powerful his cleans are, 
and how dramatic the sound kind of gets. I keep making this comparison, but it does get kind of power metal-y, and like I said, I'm all about that. Uh, there's a lot of comparisons online to Bork Negar. It's, that's what they're called. Don't you at me. Um, so yeah, if, and I've listened to a bit of them. I can see the comparisons. I think the lead singer from In Vain and the lead singer from Borknagar are brothers. So I feel like that's got something to do with why they sound a little bit similar. Um, but if you are a fan of Borknagar or Neobliviscaris, again, I don't know too much about them. Listen to them for comparison. They do sound like if you like one, you like the other. And again, if you like Ishan, where he can go from the very widdly diddly prog to the very bombastic extreme metal, you'll really enjoy this. Current by In Vain, Norwegian pro death metal. Oh my lord. I need some tea. It's been it's been a it's been a weird old year actually now that I think about it. It's very been oddly proggy for me which is odd and proggy just for comparison last year what was album of the year last year <laughs> for comparison album of the year last year was creeper which is very much not proggy and very much not death metal cool so we're gonna move on to Album number 15 of the year. Ow! Fucking thing. Cool. So it is the band that brought me back into going to show this year. Shows this year. Um, and an album I very much did not expect to enjoy. And very much... I felt like a part of me didn't want to enjoy. And it kind of got me annoyed. It is album number three from the UK. Alt-rock pop rock post hardcore mess that is Don Broco and the the album is called Technology and first things first I am not the realist but Hold On by Priorities is an absolute ass of a song he on there where he goes hold on hold on sounds like a bald seal working at the Samaritans it's so painfully bad and yet for some reason for anyone outside the core fan base that is their legacy that's what they're going to be known for that's their one hit wonder and it shouldn't be i think they've got a song with a fun name from one of their like second eps which is very og post hardcore and it's a lot of fun uh it's it's, it rhymes that's all i remember about it but for me because of hold on and i have heard little bits of them here and there I always thought they were part of the what I've dubbed the undercut rock scene. Um, so basically, anything that gets played on Radio 1, quote-unquote rock show. So you got Dead, which I found out was third this year. Hilarious. Dead, Twin Atlantic, Yumi at 6. I always thought they were part of that bubble of just not very interesting rock music. So you can imagine my surprise when I heard a T-Shot song for the first time. And thought the main riff was a Black Sabbath worship. Because that song fucking slams. And this album fucking slams. Annoyingly fucking slams, I will add. 
Um, the wrists on this are fat, and I'm spelling that with a PH just because I'm down and edgy with the kids. No, I'm really not. My hip hurts a lot. The electronics on the album aren't cumbersome. I think they complement the rest of the album quite well, and they still install, although there are times where it just goes very into the world of rock. The electronics make sure it's still got its place in like modern pop music. The the sound kind of bar the overall sound from the album borrows from a lot of places. So overall, you are drowning in this R and B beat, but at the same time, you got songs like Greatness that sounds like uh, '80s new wave. Pretty and Good Listener have like little bits of funk here and there. Uh, like I said, think uh, songs like T-shirt song. They've got very heavy riffs. Like I, like I said, I compared it to um, Black Sabbath. And there are so many up-and-coming metal bands who are desperate to try to write a chorus as aggressive as the ones found in Pretty or in Potty Mouth. Like Pretty for me is just. I have people quoting me, quoting that at me for ages. I was like, what the fuck is everyone talking about? And then, but first of all, before I listened to the album, I just heard T-shirt song, went on Twitter, I was like, what the fuck is this band? Kept getting eight days a week sung at me, like, sung at me or spoken to me or whatever. Looked it up, found the song, and my fucking God. It is, like, I kind of get, like, an 80s camp horror movie feel from it, from the electronics. And then again, those big fat PH guitar hooks in there. It is really, really great. The one thing I've read about is the vocal trade-off between lead singer Rob Damiani and the drummer Matt Donnelly. That got really well received in album number two. And they've done a lot more of it here. Matt definitely has a lot more, um, well for me at least, from the brief instance I've heard of album two. He has a lot more to do on this album. Despite all that, though, come out to LA. His little bit in that, it's fucking unforgivable. I'm so sorry. Lots of people really popped for his little come out to LA, come out to LA, like that faux. I don't know. I don't even know that faux Jamaican thing. I, I fucking think it's fucking shit. I'm sorry. Absolutely atrocious. Um, if you are a fan of, I've compared these to Death Havana. That's the heiress. That's the era. That's a spirit era. Bring the horizon. And the young guns. Except if the young guns were still good. That sort of bubble of. It's borderline pop music. But it's still got enough in there. To be considered rock music. And if you haven't somehow already heard. The Donny B album. Do go check it out. It is annoyingly brilliant. I really hope Santa brings me a new microphone so you don't have to listen to me drink tea every five minutes. And swallow. Cool. So, hey. Album number 14 is... It, this one was a difficult one to describe and try and put into words because it's a perfect circle with Eat the Elephant. And because it's a Keenan project, uh, made at James Keenan, you know... If you've ever had any experience with Kingdom before, so that's Tool or Putify or anything like that, you know there's just so much going on. It is just impossible 
It is, I believe it's album number four uh, from the American Supergroup. It is him and... I can't remember his name for something like Matt Badul? Badal? Uh, the two core members. And all I keep hearing about is how good Tool is. From people who are really into the world of rock and metal to more quote-unquote mainstream music fans to podcasts to videos all i hear and all i see and all i read is how good tool is or tool are and how much like the person in question needs a new tool album now i've tried to listen to tool a few times and from what i've heard so far is it is very good you've got um i had a song i think it's just called h and yeah, I had used to listen to that song a lot when I was growing up, when I was still... Ah, I don't even know what it was. When I was still getting my bearings together with music, I thought that was a very, very good song. But because, like what I said before about Prague being great, really diddly, blah, 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 blah. It's... I've just kept putting them off. I like, I'll get around to them later. I'll get around to them later. I'll get around to them later. I think if you are similar to me and you want to give... Hashtag give Tool a chance. Start with this. Start with a perfect circle. Because I feel like out of Keenan's project, this is easily the most accessible to new listeners of what he does and doesn't do with music. You, Because of the huge atmosphere in this album, you completely lose yourself. Uh... Uh, Maynard's voice, it it so can be so delicate. It's so oh, I can't remember what they're called, but there's a style of glass making where the it's a ball and like a stem coming out of it. The stem is so pressurized; it is insanely strong, like. I think there's a video of them like running it over and you cannot break it. But the glass ball in the middle is so very delicate. Maynard's voice is perfectly one of those things. I'm going to try and Google it as I carry on talking. But it can be so incredibly gentle and softly spoken. And at times be just the hardest thing you can ever managed without ever having to go into death metal screams or it's just powerful he's can put so much energy and so much strength into his vocal performance um i'm gonna put in delicate glass i probably won't get that delicate glass unbrackable nothing about that was helpful at all apart from the unbreakable film with m night shimimilamalumala Hmm. That didn't help me at all. And that website's full of ads. It's slowing out my computer. But yes, because it's... I, I, one thing I found looking around for this album is there was a lot of criticism, but there's no big, heavy song. They make comparisons to other Perfect Circle albums that's come before Eat the Elephant. Personally, I don't think it would have fit. 
because this album is very eclectic and it does like drown you in the sound I don't feel like having a big heavy song would sit comfortably in amongst everything else the song The Doomed to me is just the right amount of heaviness um, and in that song you've got the perfect example of him bringing like the power into the voice without having to do screams or grunts or anything like that um, lyrically it is a lot more straightforward than what I, even I've known Maynard to do it's less metaphorical but because of this you can take in the album and take in the weight of the album it's got so much commentary on um, like society politics the wealth and class inequality it is such a chill yet such a visceral album such like a heavy sitting album it's for, like for someone who's just getting like just listening to the world of Maynard for the first time it is such an oxymoron how something can be so again like I said so soft and so easy listening yet so impactful I feel like if you ha are keen on no pun intended if you are keen on Keenan's other projects or Tool or Persifier I'd be staggered if you haven't already moved on to a, per a perfect circle but I feel like if you're in if you like Keenan's work, you'll still really appreciate this. More modern Deftones, if you're a fan of what they're doing nowadays, last few albums. So, um, I think everything, I'd say everything from Diamond Dies. That kind of thing. If you enjoyed that, so I think it's Koino Yoken, I can't remember the other two. From there onwards, you'll really enjoy this. Also, the latest Carnival album, I think it's called Age of Symmetry. That's, I didn't get on with that first time I listened to it because it was a lot more eclectic than the first album, Somata. But the newer one, newer Deftones and any of the Keenan projects, you really dig this. It is Eat the Elephant by A Perfect Circle. God. I've got to do so many things before I go home tonight. Album number 13. We're on 13? Yeah, we're on 13. Uh... It's album number seven, and it's from the wonderful world of power metal. We're finally at a power metal album. It is from the German band Power, power Wolf, and it's called The Sacrament of Sin. I'll briefly go over my history of power metal and why I'm having such a fun time with this. Manowar was the first album, or the first band, I should say, that was properly, I could, oh, I'll say properly got me into the branches of heavy metal. Uh, so I grew up listening to obviously things like Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, Metallica, Motorhead. All, like at the time for me, it was very just like your bog standard heavy metal stuff. And I remember when I was, God, I must be about, third, yeah, about 13, 14, when we went out to go into town and my parents put Gods of War by Manor on in the car. And I'd heard, listened to like little bits at home. I thought, and every time I listened to it, it was always the big choir, orchestra sort of songs. I was like, this is going to be boring and lame. It's orchestral, blah, 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 blah. And at the time, my mum said to me, like, Manor War, one of the best in gothic metal. She was a little bit off, but bless her heart. 
blah, blah, fine, yeah, I, I have no say, I'm a child, I'll sit in the back and mope. Gods of War ended up being one of my, still is now, one of my favourite albums of all time, because I think, like, it is the, the gateway album, and everyone has a spot, soft spot for gateway albums. And from there, obviously you had Man of War, their, Joe, um, their bassist, Joey DeMaio, was at the time manager for a band called Rhapsody of Fire, who I really enjoy as well. And then from there I noticed that both Manowar and Rhapsody of Fire play this genre of music called power metal. What's that? And from there went into bands like Halloween, Blind Guardian, Gamma Ray. As I got older and started playing the Guitar Hero games, you had Dragon Force with Through the Fire and Flames. Got more into them. And to me, going back and find that was peak power metal bubble. So going on, find a lot of the more European power metal stuff. It was always like preference over the Amer the stuff that's happening in the states. And then after a while, things just kind of got a bit boring. And the newer Manowar albums just didn't really do anything for me. And then they started remaking. Um, Battle Hymns and Kings of Metal and they had such a shit production job on it Rhapsody got rid of uh, Fabio Leone and Luca Turilli and yeah uh, their newer stuff's okay but just not as good as what it used to be same with Halloween and Gamma Ray Blind Guardian I think a couple of the songs in the last album I really enjoyed and Dragon Force I'd only say their last album was when they got back to being quite good again and then I know everyone was going nuts over Sabaton as good as they were for me they are a great hits band I don't think I've listened to an album all the way through and thought ye and what was this other example um, the only other power metal band I can say I've properly enjoyed from like start to finish albums is Wolf so they did uh, Evil Star and I think Shark Attack was one of the best power metal songs ever written and yeah, it just kind of got, overall power metal for me just kind of got a bit stale. And then out of the blue, I think I got it like a sampler or something. Um, the Powerwolf song, Army of the Night from The Blessed and Cursed, something like that. It was a thoroughly good song. And when I saw, when I saw that Power, um, Powerwolf had a new album coming out called Sacrament of Sin, I thought, I will. I really did enjoy Army of the Night. It's super catchy, super theatrical, and yeah, why not? Fucking Sacrament of Sin is incredible. It is theatrical, but it's not stupid, which is such an easy trap that a lot of power metal bands I feel fall into. Having said that, like I just said, big Pat Manowar fan. One of their album covers has them in loincloths. Uh, to give you an idea of what the the album opens with church bells. That kind of gives you an indication of where they're going to go with the whole thing. The whole album is such a tongue-in-cheek commentary to Catholicism and just Christianity as a whole. And for me, the keyboards don't just play the part of the guitars and it's like... They give a big cinematic sound because they've got like the church bells, the organs, and more like symphonic elements. They just give it a big more cinematic sound but despite that 
they still make sure, kind of what Bring, um, Between the Bear and Media were doing, they make sure there's still a metal album and they maintain the metal part of power metal. Um, me, the vocalist Attila Dawn, I think he's like Romanian born, growing up in Germany, that's German land. He is an absolute treasure. He's got such a powerful voice and he's getting such a better grasp of the English language. So, although you can tell it is um, like mildly broken English, I think that actually helps the album for some reason. I don't know why. That might just be per like personal preference, but I think it just works really, really well. Um, he's got such searing vocals on songs like Demons Are a Girl's Best Friend, which is a fucking great song. Oh my God, that song is so good. And then on the ballad, Where the Wild Wolves Have Gone, again, he can just build up and really, really let go with that voice. And for me, it's not the tinny kind of power metal vocal. And I don't like to use that word tinny because I feel like it does, it's an injustice to people who use it. But the example I'll use is Tobias Samet, he of Edguy and Avantasia, because I was going to put Edguy and Avantasia separately. Then I realized it's the same dude. Um, also, Gamma Ray and Hammerfall, they've got like the more higher end power metal vocal. To me, I do prefer the lower end stuff. So, things like Attila Dawn of Power Wolf, Sabaton, Man of War. I kind of put Halloween in there as well, although he's got a bit more grittier voice. I prefer like the lower end sort of thing. Even though I did just say I really enjoy Wolf. I can see why people compare this to Sabaton. I think if you do like Sabaton, you'll really, really enjoy Power Wolf. I would also compare this to Primal Fear, another big uh, power metal band. And for me, Manowar. Manowar have like cut down a lot on using Symphonics. In fact, it was pretty much just for Gods of War that they used. A lot of the big bombastic orchestra and that sort of thing. Except for... Crown and the Ring. So if you like this, like Sacrament Ascent does border on the symphonic power metal side of things. Not to the scale of Rhapsody of Fire, but also it's not this just straight up power metal to the scale of everything else that Man of War has done. I think the album Gods of War is a really good in between, and it'll be a really com comparison for this album. So if you like, Gods of War by Man of War, if you like Primal Fear, if you like Sabaton, Sacrament of Sin by Power Wolf is your next placement to go. Cool. Remember that time I reviewed that album and I gave it extra time and then I thought, wait a minute, it's actually really hard to put my finger on why it's so fucking good. Number 12 was Black Peaks with All That Divides. Did I, I won't go on too much because I literally reviewed it last week. And as I was listening, so as I was writing up the notes for... This week and next. I've been listening back to all the albums on Top 20 to make sure, like, yes, I definitely want to include this. I... I feel like if I had given Black Peaks a little bit more time, or I hadn't, like, sat on it for ages and sort of, like, rushed it at the initial listen, this album would have finished a lot higher. Because it is just incredible um the sophomore album for uk's next national treasure 
easily one of the most exciting bands in the UK right now. I still strongly say there is something for everyone, for every kind of fan base. If you are an underground music fan, if you are a mainstream fan, I say even if you're not a big fan of rock music, there's something for you here as well. And it further proves that rock music is neither boring nor dull. Fuck off, Ollie. Again, the sure audacity to open with a song like Can't Sleep. It is just you devilish little boys, you. That sounds weird. Uh, electric song, uh, electric song. Electrifiers for me is still one of the songs of the year. It would have to be a toss up between this and Disconnect by Basement for the song of the year for me. Will Gardner's voice could, it could fill a fucking planet. Forget a stage, forget an arena. The way he can make harsh vocals still sound dramatic is a fucking gift that he's been bestowed. And it's it reminds me of Mika Ackerfeld from Opeth or all four members of Mastodon, their vocal technique. Just crammed into one dude. And the more I listen to it again, the more like little bits of pick up, so the post rock atmospheres really do bolster the sound in the same way as um I think I was saying about the Don Broker album, the electronics in there, they don't take away the attention from the album, it just sort of bolsters a bit. This is exactly the same. It just adds that layer to that wall of sound that like gets delivered in. Oh fuck, just punched through the microphone. And listen to it back a bit more. Liam Curley's drum work, it is unreal. It bounces between really uh, technical jazz to very much more straight up almost d-beat punk music it's so very interesting like i've listened to i listened to a few songs actually we're just trying to pay attention to the drum work and yeah he does just do a little bit of everything the album in whole manages to fit in so much without somehow sounding bloated which i don't know why i'm not journalist enough to be able to figure out why it is what it is but still for me a really fantastic album i go into it a lot more from the episode last week so feel free to go check that out and it does me lots of good thank you very much and if you are a big fan of mastodon i particularly say the newer stuff so what's that once more, once more around the sun i'd even say the hunter as well i feel like i'm missing an album i'm definitely missing an album i'm missing an album but yeah if you like more modern mastodon um, Gugier as well, specifically Magma, more than La Femme Sauvage. I don't need that. Mild Kira is what I apparently put in. Um, Biffy Clyro as well, more the, as fast as I say, the more older stuff, Empress Sound, that was the other album I missed. Biffy Clyro, not the newer stuff, because I feel like they have gone more into that, like that pop rock sort of world, Biffy, but they're older stuff, so puzzle and revelations that to me that kind of rocky but yeah it's very prog there's lots of things going on that kind of thing biffy clara gujira modern mastodon black peaks uh yay and for the last album of this week obviously like i said i'm doing 22 11 now and the next week i'll do 10 till 1 
I was going to try and do it all in one go, but I have a lot of things to do today. It is Here's to the Fatigue by Press Tomiko. It is album number two from the UK alt-prog metal band. It's very hard to put a definitive label on Press Tomiko. It is a follow-up to Good Intent, which got released in 2015? Yeah, 2015. Uh, following the Affinity EP, which got like a lot of people in interested and for me personally i got quite hyped for it so i listened to affinity based on a recommendation from a podcast i was listening to at the time the host on there was very much into this album and for me at the time good intent was a little bit too much i enjoyed the album but it was just I pretty much picked up on two lead singles, which were Affinity and Family Ties. They are still absolute jams. But yeah, as a whole for me at the time, I might go back into it now. It was just a little bit, a little bit too much for me. Personal preference. But I still want to keep an, an ear out for them because I thought that maybe they would write something. Like the next album would be a lot more for what I want out of music. And... So with that, they released their first single. I think it was their first single, If All Your Parts Don't Make a Whole. Either way, the first three songs from the album were the first three singles. And it got me so invested into the album. And even even gave it a cheeky little pre-order because I'm that kind of dude. And yeah, it is. this album is so earworm music. It is unreal. It's got essence of pop punk in there lots of prog a little bit of grunge and just a dashing of thrash in there as well there are hooks for absolute days and it's to the point where it's not bouncy but you would never ever compare this to new metal the three-part vocal harmony just adds layers upon layers upon layers to the sound and because you've got like three people who can all sing, they've all got their own little um, styles and nuances, it means they've got such a range for the music. So not only can they do all sorts of things with the, their instruments, they can now do all sorts of weird and wonderful things with their vocal performances and just give it a lot more... It's weirdly poppy, yet lit, um, so very, very heavy. As I was saying about... Uh, a perfect circle where it's like heavy but not harsh musically this is a very heavy album like i said it's got little bits of thrash in there it's heavy but it, there is no point where there are harsh vocals i think the angriest they get is itchy fingers which is more of a yell or more of a shout apart from that though you've got the three-part harmony acting some like often like a, a choir at some point or like that gang vocal and like the perfect examples of heavy without being harsh you've got songs like itchy fingers you've got songs like quick fix a quick fix just for the riff alone should be in some kind of hall of fame and then they end on white knuckling and to end on something that dramatic is fucking incredible it's just got a big swell of sound it really does finish the album off well it's such an oxymoron of an album because it's the way their vocals are. You want to say this is a pop record, but the way the instruments are, 
you want to say this is a metal record it's you cannot really for me i'm like i will be the first to admit i'm a huge genre nazi i need to give everything a set in a place in this world you absolutely cannot do that with here's to the fatigue and it both infuriates me and interests me in equal measures if um like i was saying before the podcast I listened to at the time that like got me first interest in fresh miko they compared it to it's weezer covering Meshuggah. and as weird and as fucking odd as that sound it's such a good comparison for the album being hugely technical but hugely um like not melodic but like clean and well so well produced i would wholeheartedly agree or wholeheartedly recommend this album to anyone because it's similar sort of vein as black peaks i feel like i'm not sure which is a better gateway to which whether if you enjoy prestamico you'll really love black peaks or if you really love black peaks you'll really enjoy prestamico but they kind of go hand to hand with you can't just put like a definitive label on because there's so much going on at a time. For more like bigger names that you like, if you like this, you like that. Ruben, um, System of a Down when they were doing Hypnotize and Mesmerize. And also Billy Talent as well because there are like a little, other like, a lot of bands that have like the vocal trade off. Billy Talent is one of them. If you like those three bands or any of those three bands, and if you end up liking the Black Peaks album, you'll really, really enjoy Here's to, Here's to the Fatigue by Preston Miko. And at the same time, if you really enjoy Preston Miko, Here's to the Fatigue, you'll really enjoy All That Provides by Black Peaks. Full circle. Kind of. There's only a few spots between them. Or one spot between them. Cool. I have rambled on a lot. I've been going on for over an hour. If you're still here, golf claps, golf claps. Next week, I will count down from 10 all the way down to the number one album of the year. Remember, if anyone says rock music is boring, feel free to kick them in the dick or the lady vagina. Uh, just a quick rundown, though. Number 20 for top 20 albums of the year. Number 20, Between the Bear and Me, Automata 1. Number 19, Kane Hill, Too Far Gone. Number 18, The One of the Years with Sister Cities. 17 is The Silence by Feed the Rhino. Number 16 is In Vain with Currents. 15 is Your Donny B-Boys, Don Brocco with Technology. 14 is A Perfect Circle of Eat the Elephant. Number 13 is Power Mechal. Power Wolf with Sacrament of Sin. I forgot what it's called. Number 12 is Black Peaks with All That Divides. And number 11 is Preston Mika with His To The Akigwe. Tune in next week, like I said, for 10 to 1. And until then, it's Boxing Day. We're listening to now if it's post. This goes out then. So I hope you've had a good Christmas. I I hate Christmas, so I don't mind either way, to be honest. And I will see you all. Well, hear you all. Speak to you all. I'll something with you all next week. Bye bye. <laughs>